We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's talk about the staff next, Ryan. Does Notre Dame have the assistant coaching in place to be a championship caliber program? I think that's a very fair question right now and needs to be because we haven't seen it. So what does it mean to have the right coaching staff in place? Do you have coaches that can coach at a high level, fundamentally, technically, and that can develop players holistically, which is something I think you need to be a championship team? Again, it's not just about having talent. Talent isn't always focused. Talent is always disciplined. Talent isn't always fundamentally sound. Talent doesn't always execute. Talent doesn't always stay focused. All those things. It's up to the coaching to take that talent. And this is what separates, you know, the the teams like Alabama and and Georgia the last 10, 15 years from teams like Ohio State and at times and and Tennessee at times and USC at times and Florida State at times in different years. You know, Florida State didn't lack talent in 2014. They lacked all the other stuff, which is why a team that had a ton of NFL players lost by 39 in the in the semifinal to Oregon that year. So you look at it and say, okay, can they do that? Can they recruit at a high level? I think those are the two things that are key to this point. And so I think when I look at it, Ryan, and we'll talk about each position coach as we kind of get through each position, but – Generally speaking, I think you have one of the best offensive line coaches in the business. That is so incredibly important anywhere, but especially at Notre Dame, because you can't just go out talent people because talent will get you to a certain level. I mean, it can. And we saw this with Clemson where, you know, they, there were years where they had great talent on the skill, which was kind of able to overcome the fact they didn't have great talent along the line. But when Clemson was winning titles, their offensive line was at least fundamentally sound. They didn't make mistakes. They just, hey, look, just do your job and let the talent take over. I don't think Notre Dame's ever going to be to the point, in my view, or can't assume they're going to be to the point where they can do that. You need someone that can bring in elite players and someone that can develop at an elite level on the offensive line. More than any other position on this football team, that is so 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 important in a place like Notre Dame. Because here's what's difficult for Notre Dame when you talk about competing for championships the two teams that are considered the premier teams in college football on an annual basis right now is Georgia and Alabama. 
I mean, does anybody want to disagree with that? From a talent standpoint, both of those teams, especially Georgia, are good trench teams. This isn't Clemson where if you can dominate Clemson in the trenches, you can beat them, and that's always been true. It's harder to do that on the offensive side of the ball because they have a really good defense. But when you look at Georgia and you look in, in now, and, and they are kind of are what Bama used to be, Bama still has talent. They're just not coached as well. But I have a feeling Saban's going to change that this offseason. But it's about you you're, you play a similar style to them. The kryptonite, Ohio State is kind of kryptonite to Georgia to a degree. And they play a completely different style in Georgia. And, that's, and they also have really talented players. But at the end of the game, when Ohio State needed to run the football – and protect the quarterback to win that game, they couldn't do it, right? And so at the end of the day, you're playing a very similar style to them, so you have to be as good as them. And I think Harry Heastan and Dela McCullough, in my view, are two of the best in the business at what they do, which is both directly involved in the run game. And so I think from a foundational coaching standpoint, you have a window right now, and I don't know how long it's going to be, where your run game is designed by two of the best in the business, you you've got to take advantage of that window. So I think starting there, Ryan, you look at it and say, man, this is a great place to start from a coaching standpoint. When you look at the assistances, having big time coaches at those two proven commodities that proved it this year as well. That is a huge foundational piece for this Notre Dame offense. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And I think what's big is that you have 
great sample sizes with both guys too, right? I mean, if you start with Dylan McCullough for a second, he has been, I mean, everywhere he's been, he's been successful. You know, you talk about the Indianas of the world. You talk about when he was USC briefly, when he was with the Kansas City Chiefs, and he always had different skill sets in the backfield. I think that was what impressed me most this year about Dylan McCullough was that, and we talk about this a lot, Brian, and this is a huge bonus to an offense, but it's also a tough a tough job for a coach sometimes that they had such different running backs in the backfield, being able to coach them uniquely, but also a part of the same understanding of playing the position, right? You're, you're teaching a back to play football and playing your system, but you understand that Audrick Estime's skill set is different than Logan Diggs' skill set, which is different than Chris Tyree's skill set, which is different than Jabron Payne's skill set, Jadarian Price's skill set. They all have different skill sets and how they are developed is a unique thing, right? I feel like we underrate that a little bit, how important that is for coaches because coaching is teaching at the end of the day. So coaches to be able to look at a room and say, we're going to, we're going to play this way. This is our style. This is the way that we are going to go about things. But also I can't quite teach other estimate to maybe do the same thing, a, a thing, the same as I teach Logan Diggs to do it because the approach is going to have to be different because they're different players with different styles, different body types and different approaches to the game. So I think Dylan McCullough has shown that talking about the Ronald Joneses of the world at USC, the Tevin Coleman's at Indiana, the Jordan the Howard, Jordan Howard's, right. the Daryl Williams when he, I mean um yeah, Daryl Williams when he was with the Kansas City Chiefs. He's had guys of all shapes and sizes, all skill sets, and that's what I take in a good coach, man, is to be able to take players that have completely different styles. Ed Edwards Lair for a year too, right? Wasn't he there exactly. in 2020? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. So you've had guys of all different skill sets and been able to make them successful for what you needed. And I think that that balancing act is a very big part of coaching. And then offensive line wise with Harry Heastan, that is the ultimate. I mean, cause you're, you're, you're coaching five different positions, right? That all ask guys to do things slightly different, whether it's a particular stance, whether it's a particular approach, whether it is a, Mike McGlinchey body type at right tackle or a Robert Hainsey body type right. at right tackle. They're all different styles and different body types and different ways that they win. And Harry Heastan historically, like you don't have to bring up all the names, right? You don't have to bring up Quentin Nelson's and Zach Martin's and, and all those guys, Nick Martin's. You don't have to bring up those names because we know what Harry Heastan has done at Notre Dame as recently now as Joe Alt being a unanimous All-American. We know all those things. But what we also know is that one thing has been historically true with Harry Heastand at Notre Dame. He is going to find talent, acquire the talent, and he's going to develop it to about as high as the upside as they possibly have. So combining those two two coaches together, feel very, very yeah. strong about what the future of the run game is. And that accentuates not only as far as just running inside zone, running duo, also with pass protection responsibilities, with working out of the backfield, in pass protection – those things, that is a baseline. That is a foundational piece that Notre Dame needs to be successful. And like you said, I think you said it perfectly, you have two fantastic coaches that are helping to design your running game and to really be able to create a foundation. And the foundation you saw in year one, I thought was spectacular. And it's only going to get better. It's only going to get brighter. You don't know how long it's going to last, so you need to capitalize here sometime in the near future, right? But you have two incredible coaches and the run game, the running back room with the offensive line. 
should not be in question over the next couple of years. I think that if you want to find out to me what, how good of a coach Dylan McCullough is, it's look at Logan Dix. Because when, when we watched him against Marshall and against Ohio State, this was a kid that it, 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 his shoulder injury was in his head. And that's, that's normal. That's not like, that's not a knock on Logan. And you watch how he took that week off. He was sick, took that week off against Cal and came back that next week, a different kid. Big part of being a coach isn't just the technical aspects, the recruiting. It's can you work with a kid who may be struggling mentally? When we talk about Mike Mickens and how he was able to get Tariq Bracey over his mental collapse of 2020 to become the player he was the next two years, that's the player has to be involved in that, right? He gets credit for that, but the coach has to be a, the type of coach that can can get a kid back on track, and he showed that. And you know, I think that they need to do a better job of using all the backs, which is to me more of a coordinator thing. But whenever the backs were given opportunities to play in ways that fit their skills, they all produced. Chris Tyree was very productive when put in position to do things that his skill set is is good at. We saw that against Cal. We saw that against North Carolina. We saw that against Clemson. And and we even saw that in the bowl game to a degree. And so, to me, that's the mark of a good coach. Now, let's look at the other positions. Jared Parker, to me, is still a little bit of a TBD to a degree because you're kind of like – coach and recruiter, you don't know yet. Recruiter completely because it's not his fault. He's off to a good start recruiting. you got Jack Larson, Mm -hmm. who's a top 150 guy in my view in that class. You've got a couple other really good tight ends on the board that are visiting soon and or have visited, and Carter Nelson and the kid from Georgia that's going to be on campus this weekend for junior day. Walter Matthews, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then you look at, you know, look, how much credit can we give Jared Parker for – Mike Mayer being a dominant pass catcher when he was a dominant pass catcher before he got here. So what do you look for, Ryan? You look at, okay, number one, how did he do with the depth at the position, number one? And then number two, did Michael Mayer get better in any way? And I'm going to speak to two things on that. I'm going to begin with Mayer, number one. If you break down Michael Mayer's film as a route runner, he was much sharper this year than he was last year. That is something that from Michael Mayer's own mouth, he said that Jared Parker was on him about the minute he got here. Hey, look, we're going to make you better. And for a first-year coach to look at his star in the face, who's a dude and who towers over him and says, no, 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 what you did last year. And Mayer even said this. Like, he said at one point, I was like, dang, coach, I thought I was pretty good last year. And then he's like, but that's what I want. I want to be pushed. And there's a lot of coaches that don't have the stones to look a guy like Michael Mayer in the mouth in the face as a first-year coach and say, What you did last year, not good enough. We're going to make you better. The other part of that is look how much better Michael Mayer's blocking got over the course of the year. Now, anytime we give a coach credit, the player has to be part of that conversation as well. So we've given tons of credit to Michael Mayer for being willing to do that because you can't coach an unwilling player. You can't coach an uncoachable player. You can't. So kudos to Michael Mayer for saying, hey, I want to get better. But even more, just as much kudos to Jared Parker for saying, I don't care who you were last year that you're a projected first-round pick. I'm going to make you better. And I, and you need to buy into what your role is on this football team. And he did that, and Jared Parker pushed him. So I think he gets credit for that. And then the other part, Ryan, is they had a lot of injuries this year at tight end, and they still were able to get good play from whoever they put in the game. You know, sure. Mitchell Evans missed half the year. You had Kane Barong was out half the year. 
Holden Stace was a true freshman. Eli Raritan was a true freshman coming off of an injury. And the 12th package worked, no matter who they kind of put in there. The blocking wasn't always great, but a lot of times it was because Mitchell Evans is a sophomore who was a converted quarterback. He's just not physically there yet. But technically, I think he was there. It's this kid needs some weight room time. And so, you know, you look at next year in 2024, I think Mitchell Evans is going to make a big jump as a player because he's going to be physically more ready to compete. Yes. Where he, you know, Michael Mayer walked in ready to physically compete the minute he got on campus. You know, it's unreal, I mean? man. It's unreal. I, I've seen pictures of him at Covington Catholic. I'm just like, that was a grown man in right. high school. It's just insane. Right. So you can't, you, you know, so so that's kind of I look at Jared Parker say there's a little bit of TBD here. And sure. I think we're going to learn a lot more about him in 2023 when he has to coach up the dudes that aren't Michael Mayer. But I think based on what we can evaluate, I like what I've seen from him, Ryan, and, and what we've done so far and what he was able to get from the tight end from a technical standpoint. So I'm encouraged by what he brings to the table. Yeah, I mean, Brian, you said it perfectly to kick it off, right? You He could have rested on his merits and kind of sat back and been like, I'm going to look like a good coach because Michael Mayer is that dude this year. He could have done that if we're being completely transparent. He could Let have done that. Let me work on the young kids, yeah. Exactly. He could have just been like, Michael, you're great. You're going to end your career as one of the best to ever do this at this university. I don't need to work with you. You're you're already a pro. You're already a first-round pick. Michael Mayer got better this year, which tells me, yes, Michael Mayer had an un- – I think someone in the chat said unreal mentality, and I agree. Yes. The kid is a worker. There's no doubt. And he is a he is an ultimate professional in that regard. And hats off to Michael Mayer for having that within him and say, I'm really good, but I'm not good enough. I could still be better. And he took that upon himself and he worked every day. Michael Mayer deserves all the credit. But in order for him to do that, he also needs someone to push him. And I believe that Jared Parker did that this year. I think that he had real conversations with you know, real, real conversations with Michael Mayer about, hey, man, you're great, but you could still be better. You could still get there. And they worked every single day. I mean, we I saw it live in a practice where they stayed a good 20, 30 minutes after the practice just working on blocking techniques, just working on getting off of, of, of press techniques, doing those types of little work that made him so much better. And then, Brian, I mean, we talked about leading up to the bowl game, right? Mitchell Evans had zero catches this season going into that bowl right. game. And one play was a well-designed play off of a tight end leak. I mean, sure. that sure. But Mitchell Evans st- stepped up to the plate, and he made some plays but, in that football game. But I'll say t- – I'll see your – yeah, he was wide open, and anyone could have caught that with, and, and, and take you back to the first quarter when he compl- he did a great job. Get, you remember that the play I'm talking about, Ryan? I don't remember where the ball went, but he ran a – he threw it to the left. It was out of bounds to the left. But he ran a perfect seam route where he kind of stayed on a nice path, quickly got around the backer, and then got back on his path. Perfect execution. And he was open. I mean, if Tyler Buckner goes to Mitchell Evans there, which is where I think he should have gone based on where the safety came, I think he should have come back to the backside seam. Mm -hmm. He's open over the top for a touchdown, a 50-plus yard, like about a 50-yard touchdown. So, I mean, to your point, it's not always the balls you catch. It's what do you do on the balls that you don't catch. Another example on the pass where where Tyler – Miss Deion Colsey in the end zone. Now, that was the right read and the right throw. I was fine with that throw. Just make it, right? But you had Mitchell Evans coming open on, on a crossing route where he did a really nice job of stepping on the toes of the linebackers to keep them from getting underneath Deion, but then clearing them quickly and getting open on that play as well. So there were plenty of opportunities where a tight end-centric offense where they were focused on the tight ends like 
they were Mayer, he gets more balls. Like if Michael yes. Mayer would have ran that seam route, they'd have looked for him and thrown a touchdown. And Michael Mayer wasn't any more open than what Mitchell Evans was on that play. To your to your point, so yes, yeah. he made some plays, but there were other opportunities for him to make some plays too. That third and fifteen play, he sold that delay really well, found yeah. that open spot, settled down into it perfectly, made the catch. But when he caught the ball, he didn't have first down yardage yet. He had to make a play to get the first down. That was a big part of the game because that led to their first touchdown. Imagine if they don't score on that drive, Ryan. This is what twenty-one to nothing at the end of the first quarter. Yeah, I don't know if Notre Dame can come back from that one, you know, mentally, much less practically speaking. So you saw that production and, and you say, OK, good start, in my opinion. Now let's see. Now we're really going to see what you're made of this year, because yes. in fairness, you also have to give Michael Mayer. Like, here's the thing about, you know, Michael Mayer and, and what he did. It's one thing for him to be coachable, but not all coaches are willing to coach him and and, and challenge him the way that Jared Parker did. Props to him. Exactly. But it's also a lot easier to coach those young guys when you have that example right there in front of you. When you have this great worker, great attitude, great leader, great talent in front of you, it's easy to say, hey, see what he watch what he does. Do that. You yeah, don't have do that, that now. So it's now up to you to establish, well, who's that going to be for you? And so that's where he's got a completely new challenge this year. And so that's why he's a little bit of a TBD to a degree. But based on what we know, it's kind of like he's kind of – if I'm going to cheat a little bit and say I'm not grading him off of one year, I'm grading him off of two, so we're at the midpoint level. Midpoint-wise, he's got pretty good marks at the midway point. Now let's see what he can do in, this, in the next chapter, which is season number two, and I'm I encouraged agree. by it. And I feel the same way about Chancey Stuckey. Yes. I feel like what we know about Chancey Stuckey is pretty good. Did a great job on the recruiting trail this year. I thought did a pretty good job developing the young players. They didn't always get the opportunities they needed. They didn't play – at a super elite level, but they got better as the year went on. And I think he surpassed – go ahead, Ry. I was just going to say he had a Logan Diggs-type situation too with Jaden Thomas, right? It wasn't the same because Jaden wasn't dealing with an injury, but Jaden was dealing with a lack of confidence after the first couple games. I mean, we talked about it, right? Like he just wasn't running routes hard. He wasn't – you know, it, there was just a lot of inconsistencies in his game. There's no doubt about that. But by the end of the season, I mean – is Jaden Thomas the best receiver on Notre Dame last game of the season? I mean, he might be, no right? I mean, he I should mean, have been benched for how he played the first two games. If and, they would have benched him after the Marshall game, they'd have been completely justified in doing so. Completely justified in doing so. But but Chancey Stuckey coached him up throughout the season. He made drastic improvements. Talk about Deion Colsey, a kid that had the injury, you know, kind of had the injury stuff early in the season. Another kid that needed an injection of confidence by the end of the season, he was playing like a very confident football player. So I think that you saw very good signs from Chancey Stuckey. You saw yeah. better releases, the finer points of running routes, getting in and out of breaks. It needs to take another massive step forward. There's no doubt. Right. But you saw a lot of really good signs. I was very encouraged by what I saw from Chancey Stuckey, both as a recruiter and a developer this year. With one exception, Lorenzo Styles. Yes. That's where he's gonna. He, that's where he's going to make his bones or not for me, because and that that doesn't mean he has to develop Lorenzo. Lorenzo has to be coachable, right? We talked about earlier. A guy's got to have the right attitude and be coachable. If Lorenzo is, it, Lorenzo's got to grow up a little bit as a football player, right? And, and as a young person, he's got all the tools. He was raised right, you know, and all those kind of things, but. I think he went through a little bit of he had a hard time handling not being the or being the dude, 
And I don't think he handled it well. I don't think he reacted to his struggles well. I think there's a lot of pointing the finger going on. He's got to get back to saying, okay, forget all this. This year's behind me. You know, move on from it. Let's learn from it. And and then get his head right. And if it's not, if you're not able to because he's unwilling, then he needs to have the stones to pound on the table and say, this is what we're doing. You're, you're, you're not doing what I need you to do. We need to put you on the back burner and we're going to put somebody else there. That's not an easy decision when a kid has the talent that, that Lorenzo has. And so he's going to prove himself to me one of two ways. Now, the ideal is that he can get in Lorenzo's head, fix that. Because I've said this before, Ryan, part of being a great coach is partly being a, a psychologist. I mean, or a psychiatrist. I mean, you're part psychiatrist. I, I forget which one is which. But you need to fix these kids' heads sometimes. You know, that's what Mike Mickens had to do with Tariq Bracey. It wasn't about, hey, let's fix your press technique. It's, dude, your confidence is gone. How do I fit? How do I get in my your head and fix that? And he did a great job with that. Dela McCullough did that, and and, and Tom Reese gets credit for that too. Uh, they did that with Logan Diggs. And another example is they did that with Aldrich Estime. They had to bench, had to bench him, had to. That was his third huge fumble in what four games, four games, five games. Yeah. And so it's like, dude, we got it, we got to got to bench you for this game. But then to get him back on the track that next week and then have this, hey, not only are we going to still play you next week, but you're getting the first two carries of the game. You know, th- that that's good coaching. Can can Coach Stuckey get that out of out of Lorenzo Styles? We're going to see. And well, that's going to be that thing. And then also the other part of it too, Ryan, is he's got to show me he can get young players ready to go a little bit quicker than he did this year. Now, part of that wasn't his fault. The offensive coordinator has got to be part of that as well. But he's going to have – you could make a case that his most talented players are in their sophomore and freshman classes, most physically talented, physically gifted, are in those two classes. That's Tobias Merriweather to me. That's Braylon James, Jaden Greathouse to a degree, and Caleb Smith. I think the, the younger Caleb Smith are, to me, the most physically gifted players that they have. And then, you know, Deion Coles, he's got talent. They all have talent, but I'm just saying, like, just natural God-given ability beyond size is, is there. And then, of course, Deion brings tremendous size and length and those type of things. Can you get those young guys ready to play at a high level by the fourth game of the year? Because that's when it really matters, right? For, you, you don't have to have them playing at an elite level the first three games to still win. You're going to be 3-0. and Can you get them there by week four? That's going to be a question. So he's also a little bit in TBD to me. I need to see if his second recruiting class can be as good as his first one. Right now, you and I were talking last night. It's got a chance to be. They got to close. They got to close on some dudes. Right. And so you're off to a good start with Cam Williams. You've got some guys on the board like Ryan Wingo, Jeremiah McClellan, Bredell Richardson. There's some dudes on the board. But can you can you close? Can you? That's going to be a question. But but right now, the key is, can you coach these kids up? I like where he's at. He's a lot like Jared Parker at the midway point. You guys are doing pretty good, you know, halfway through the semester. You're doing pretty darn good. Now let me see you finish, and that's what year two is going to be for him. So I think if if Jared Parker and Chancey Stuckey are sort of your bottom assistant coaches, the upgrade that we've seen over past staffs is enormous, absolutely enormous from what we've seen in past years. There was always like one sort of like, okay, the rest of the staff is good, but that guy's bringing them down. Right. And they don't have that now from an assistant coach standpoint. Even with the question marks about Jared and Chansey, the question marks are about, are they elite? Not are they good? 
Great. that's the question at this point in time, Ryan, for me with those two guys. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. It's a great point. I, I just, you know, backtracked it for a second. I love that you mentioned Audra Gastamay with the fumbling thing, right? Because, I mean, I remember in the chat, Brian, the next week, like people were saying like, bench him, never play him again. And I'm just like, no, man, you need him to be a part of the solution. You know, like you can't just give up on him. I think it speaks volumes for the coaching staff that they didn't give up. They, you have to manage personalities. That's a big thing with coaching. But I think that this spring, especially is going to be a huge litmus test for a Chancey Stuckey specifically, because you have now Deion Colsey, you have Tobias Merriweather, you have Lorenzo Styles, you have Jaden Thomas for your second spring, but then you also have three of the four receivers in the 2023 class are all early enrollees. You'll have Rico Flores, who's going to be healthy at that point. You're going to have Jaden Greathouse, who's going to be healthy at that point. You're going to have Braylon James. You have three guys coming in for the 2023 class that are going to be healthy and ready to go on top of the the improvement that you saw for the most part in the rest of the wide receiver room. So coming out of the spring into the summer, into the fall, I think that you can potentially see a maturation from the younger or the, the players coming back, the Deion Colsey's of the world, the bias Merriweather's. And then also you have, because last year Notre Dame didn't have a single receiver that was an early enrollee because Tobias was the only player in the class and he was not an early enrollee. He was a junior enrollee. So now you have three more players that are going to be injected into this coaching, uh, into this room on top of Caleb Smith as a grad transfer right. coming in in the spring as well, or I guess he's enrolling here soon. Yes. So you, you have four new guys to the room on top of the, the solid play and the improvements you saw from the room that's already coming back. So yeah, I agree with you. Next year is going to be a huge data point for just determining how good Chancey Stuckey can be because you have a lot of talent. The depth in the wide receiver room just went from very scarce to pretty deep in one offseason. You know, like you just got four guys. Well, actually, you're gonna have five new players into that room, and it's you're starting to get a lot of depth, maybe more potentially. So Chancey Stuckey is gonna have a lot of talent to work with. Now the next step is taking that confidence you built in year one with the, with the guys that were already there, improving upon it, and then be able to coach up those young guys to get them ready to play year one. So it's a big opportunity for Chancey Stuckey. Absolutely. So moral story is I think the assistant coaching aspect of it is, is where it needs to be. You've, you, it, it's kind of funny, Marcus Freeman being a defensive head coach, I think so far the returns on the offensive hires have been much better than what we've seen on the, from the defensive hires so far. And so as far as an assistant coaching standpoint, so that brings us back to what is going to be the most debatable and part of this, and that is Tommy Reese. 
we'll get into more specifics about Tommy Reese and quarterback versus coordinator, that whole debate. That's a different conversation for a different day because he is the quarterback's coach. He's going to be the quarterback's coach. I think for me, for Tommy Reese, Ryan, he, I mean, what he's done so far has not been good enough. I, I would think he would admit that because the results are what they are. Now you can say, well, COVID in 2020, which kept the offense from getting going. You had the injuries to Kevin Austin and Brain Lindsay and all he was working with a, you know, kind of one hand behind behind his back with the coaching staff, a receiver and offensive line, you know, 2021, you know, you had, you had these issues and that issues and the line wasn't good and all these other kind of things. And then this year, you know, you, you start the year without your captain, Avery Davis, Joe Wilkins is hurt who was supposed to provide depth. Lorenzo styles kind of mentally goes in the tank and is, I mean, you're doing everything you can to design plays over the year, get him the ball, and he's just dropping easy stuff. And then you have the injury to Tyler Buckner in week two. and it, So you've got all these excuses that you can use, but I don't really care about those right now. It's about – it's a simple it's a simple thing for me. What he has done so far has not been good enough. But – well, there's no but about what he's done. What I have seen, however, is when he is on – he is on. I mean, he is in the head of coaches when he's on. I mean, Clemson had no answers for what Tommy was doing in the run game. And as soon as they would think they had, they like they would line up thinking, okay, we're going to adjust to this. And then he'd come back with something different before they even stopped what he was already doing. The fact that they ran for 286 yards and didn't throw for even 90 yards against Clemson and won that game by 21 points, that says a lot about what he can do when he's on. North Carolina, he was on. South Carolina, he was on. Navy first half, he was on. And I would even say Navy second half, he was on from a play calling standpoint. What they didn't do a good enough job of was making some adjustments to the protection scheme, and then the quarterback didn't execute them correctly. But that's part of his job is as the quarterback's coach. So the reality is this is a this is a, a, a huge year for Tommy Reese. Huge year. The scheme is there. The potential is there. My frustration with some fans is they've already chalked up a 31-year-old coach as just being this is who he is. That's absurd to me, right? Absurd to me. He's going to get better. He has gotten better. But at some point in time, coaching is just like playing. some point in time, the potential needs to stop being the conversation point. And it needs to become about the production. Year four, you got a grad transfer quarterback that you hand-selected. You've got Stud coming back on the offensive line. You've got the best offensive line coach in the business, arguably. You've got arguably the best backfield in the country coming back. They're the very least top five, at the very least top five. Your receiving core has a lot to prove, but it's very talented. You added a transfer. You bring everybody back except for Braden Lindsay, right, who you know was a, a, a good player but not a guy that you built your offense around by any stretch, right? I mean, Braden did some good things, should have done even better things. The point is he wasn't the focal point of your offense like Michael Mayer was. You lose Michael Mayer, yes, but you just went out and had 45 points and 558 yards in your second highest yards per game, yards per play of the season without Michael Mayer. Okay, so we're turning the ball over three times. Three times. Right. <laughs> well, it's yeah. I was on Bill King's show today, and he said, you know, Brian, I never thought I would say that a quarterback that threw the turn the ball over three times played well, but that's kind of what what you thought. And and so, and a quarterback who hadn't played since September the, the September eleventh. So my point is, this is the year that Tommy Reese doesn't have any more excuses, right? Nor do I think he wants any excuses. I don't I don't think he uses those excuses. I'm I'm using them, right? To make a point of the talent is there, the mindset is there. And, and here's something else that that gives me 
I was done with Tommy Reese halfway through the year. I'll be honest with you. I was frustrated with what we were seeing on the field, the inconsistency. I was frustrated with some of the things I was hearing behind the scenes about how the interactions were going. But when I talked to people in November, this is after the Stanford game, like kind of going through the end of the season. People that were giving me intel about how bad things were on that side of the ball with relationships and how they're going out their business, problems with the coaching staff, problems with Reese, they were all singing a different tune. And these are people that are not like they're not part of the party line, right? You get what I'm saying? These are people that shoot me straight and have always shot me straight. I'm like, okay, well, why is your story different? And a guy was like, so a guy told me a story about how something he did with a player unprompted going up to a player that he'd been hard on was like, dude, this is okay. This is something where he got caught out a little bit publicly with the the stuff on TV and then some other things. And he responded incredibly well. And, and so, cause my big concern with Tommy Reese is I was concerned he was too stubborn to change. That was my fear. This guy's too stubborn to change. He's really smart and he knows it and he's not one to change. But we saw some changes late in the year from him. And, and not just about scheme, Ryan. More importantly, how he coaches, how he interacts, and how he involves the staff. That, to me, was bigger than anything else that he could have done this year. I don't care about how they many times they scored 40-plus points down the stretch and all. I don't care about any of that stuff. That right there is what gave me confidence that Tom Reese is willing to grow as a coach. Because if he can evolve and grow as a coach – all the tools are there. He's he's part I mean, recruiting wise. I think he's done a heck of a job as a recruiter, you know, especially since kind of Brian Kelly's not there anymore. And he can kind of say, okay, this is how I want the direction of the offensive recruiting to go. You know, he had a big hand in you know, with the exception of Jared Parker, he had a role in in all the coaches that were brought in. And we just got done praising that staff. So to me, Tommy Reese is the wild card here. And, and by that, I mean, if he is just kind of the same guy he's been next year, it's going to be maddening. It's going to be, why are you so good one week and so not good the next? It's going to be frustrating, and it's going to get to the point where, like, okay, this just is – it is what it is. This is just who he is. It's, it's up and down. One week it's great. The next week it's what, – what are we doing here? But if he can kind of put it all together and be good Tommy on a consistent basis – this offense has a chance to be really, really special next year, Ryan. And that's what kind of gives me a cautious optimism that this thing is going to get going because we've seen the potential. And we've especially seen the potential in bowl games. Why does that matter? Because I feel much better about Notre Dame's ability to be prepared to go into a playoff game with a great game plan now than I've been in a long time. And I actually felt... Ryan, I think you and I have talked about this. I actually liked the game plan in 2020 against Bama. just wasn't executed well because in some areas you just weren't good enough. In other areas, your quarterback didn't make plays. But I got no fault with the game plan. <laughs> right. That team was just better than you. And and we saw it again against South Carolina. So if that can be the consistent aspect of Tommy Reese, if the consistency in the regular season become better, you start feeling like, okay, we know he's good when he's got time. Right. And you've got time for the playoff game and you've got extra time for the championship game. So you feel like, okay, that's I'm not worried about. It's can he do enough to get him there is the big question. And I'm cautiously optimistic, Ryan. But honestly, this is the year where it's got to it's got to show this year. It it can't be 
oh, he's only this old, that old. This is going to be his fourth year as a coordinator. Now, at, after, after three years, to me, and this could be arbitrary, after three years, your age doesn't matter to me anymore because the experience is there now. And that's where I'm at on this one, Ryan. What are you, what, what say you? It's uh, it's like that. Remember the Titans scene, man. It's show me Bama. Show me that. I mean, Brian, I, I don't know what to think about Tommy Reese. I don't. And I've been very transparent about that. And every time someone asks me this off season, how I feel about the offense, I'm going to be optimistic that it can be as good as it possibly can be. Cause I think there's a lot of talent there, but I don't know what to expect with Tommy Reese. I don't, I've seen glimpses of really good things. I've also seen glimpses of not good things. I mean, it's, maddening i think is the best word that you use there it's Mm -hmm. maddening at times because one week you'll watch it and be like well that looked great and then next week you'll be like you scored 14 points against stanford right Right. like it's just it's and 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 seven of those came in the fourth quarter (laughs) exactly and that was a really poorly called football game right like players didn't make plays sure but it was also a poorly called football game so the inconsistency from one week to the next is just so maddening it's the best word to describe it so i am going to be optimistic i'm going to give tommy reese a chance because i do think that when he is good he is very good i do believe that but i think that it's a show me season it is because this is a litmus test man because i know we're going to talk about quarterback during this segment right we're going to talk about it and a lack of quarterback you have a proven commodity now in the quarterback room you have one you have one that has just thrown almost 80 touchdowns in two years you have a guy that's been incredibly productive in a different right 77 yeah 77 quick math and also has 12 rushing touchdowns exactly in the last two years has accounted for almost 90 touchdowns in two years you have a quarterback entering the room that is the all-time leader in touchdown passes in acc history if sam hartman throws for 3500 yards and 30 touchdowns this year he will finish his career fourth all-time in passing yards and third all-time in touchdown passes in ncaa history and this is a litmus test for me. I said that it's a litmus test for Chancey Stuckey to see how he improves the room. This is a litmus test just for how good Tommy Reese can be as an offensive coordinator because there is no excuses. You're going right. to have one of the better offensive lines in college football coming back. You're going to have a proven commodity of quarterback. You're going to have a lot of talent in the wide receiver room. You're going to have one of the best running back rooms in college football coming back. There's not really a hole in this offensive roster. It's a good roster and it's a talented one and there's a lot of proven commodities coming back it rests on player execution always but more than anything the offensive coaching staff needs to put these guys in the position to make plays and i think that they can i think that tommy reese can but if he can't that is a red flag sound the buzzer like there's something not going right here there isn't so there's a lot to prove this year for tommy reese i think that he has an opportunity to dispel a lot of the opinions on him, or he has a lot here. He has a chance to prove them all right. <laughs> you know, like right. it's going to go one way or the other there, but this is a great opportunity for him to show just how good he can be. Cause he's got a lot of toys to work with this year. Right. In depth of toys. So if yes. something happens to Sam Hartman, cause you can't just dismiss how the quarterback play limited this offense this year. You can't. I mean, I didn't like the game plan against Stanford at all. There were still six or seven opportunities where that's an easy throw you got to make. I mean, there's throws where Tobias Merriweather, he got the touchdown, but there was another play, Ryan, where he was running a, cro- a big over route and he was just wide open and Drew just wouldn't look at him. He was just locked in on Michael Mayer. 
you know, some of those third down passes that came in complete late in the game. It's like he's just locked in on Mayer where there's another dude wide open. Right. So, I mean, but, but again, you're the quarterback's coach, but at the same time, you're playing with your backup quarterback. So I'm going to, I'm going to be merciful and give him a pass to not a pass, give him a, uh, okay. I, I get it. Right. I get it. You, you had some issues there at the quarterback position, but next year, if something happens to, to Sam Hartman, God forbid, you've got a pretty dynamic kid coming off the bench that would have been your starter next year if not for the injuries. Because I said this on the Bill King show, and I think I've said it here as well, on this show as well. If Tyler Buckner doesn't get hurt, we're not talking about a transfer quarterback like Sam Hartman. We're talking about them bringing in a depth player. That That's it. It's a depth guy. Because I still think Drew would have left anyway. You're talking about, okay, who are you going to bring in you know, to compete? In, and, and maybe not even anyone at all. Because you'd have Angeli, you'd have Kenny Mitchie coming in. I'd feel good about the backup at that point in time. To a degree, I'd still say maybe bringing a veteran because of Tyler's injury history. But if he wouldn't have got injured, he'd have a well. Look, the dude's played now two full years in Notre Dame, and the only game he missed was against Wisconsin with a hamstring, but a game he probably could have played in if he was the starter, right? He probably would have gutted through it, and and so, but he didn't. He didn't stay healthy. He did get hurt, and so that's why we are where we are with Sam Hartman. But the that it also doesn't change the fact that if if Tyler Buckner is not the starting quarterback this year and he is the backup quarterback, you're going to be bringing a pretty dang football player off the bench. There's no question about it. You're going to have depth where if your top two, we talked about this, if your top two running backs for some reason are unavailable, there's a lot of teams that would love to have a backfield of Chris Tyree, Jadarian Price, Jeremiah Love, and Jabron Payne. Oh, yeah. I mean, think about that. If you lose your top two receivers, let's just say it's Lorenzo Styles and Jaden Thomas. Yep. You still have Deion Colsey, Caleb's, both Caleb Smiths, Jaden Greathouse, Braylon James. I mean, there's still plenty of weapons there. Same at tight end. I mean, pe- people are just like, hey, maybe you should move Blake Fisher guard because they want to get Tosh Baker going to tackle, right? I mean, the point is there's depth everywhere. There are playmakers everywhere. It's just right now, the problem is, is an offensive coordinator and receiver, the conversation is still too much about potential and not enough about production. Exactly. The more that changes, the better it will be, in my opinion. And so when I when I look at that, Ryan, that's what gives me optimism about it, about this, about this position. <laughs>
This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.